Hey, Darren, I'm watching the best show on television. You want to know what it is? What is it? I think I know, but what is it? Inglorious Trexperts. And you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, that's not a TV show. But it is. But it is. It It is. is. It's a TV show because you can watch us on the Electric Now app. It's an app for streaming video podcasts as well as movies, television, and more. You can see us on demand on Electric Now. I demand it. I demand because I demand it. Commodore Stone can watch us on the Electric Now app. And how do you get the Electric Now app? Because apparently people are having trouble understanding the concept. Just go to your app store from whatever device you're using or all of the devices you're using. And you download it to your phone, your iPad, your Roku, your whatever, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you have that streams. Other than a Viewmaster, you download it and, and then you watch it 100% free. There's no charge. There's no Patreon. There's no Electronic Frontier. All there is is a free app. So download the Electric Now app from your favorite app store and watch us on Electric Now. If you're a fan of Inglorious Trexperts, you're going to love Trexperts Briefing Room, a new series. Trexperts Briefing Room? What is that? I was about to explain, then you interrupted me. I'm sorry. It's curated audio commentaries of classic Star Trek episodes from the original series all the way through Enterprise. You're going to love it as we explore the behind-the-scenes making of all these wonderful Star Trek episodes with cast and crew that you would never expect to hear doing audio commentaries on Star Trek. Sounds like fun. It will be. And you can <laughs> find it on the Inglorious Trexperts podcast feed and on the new Trexperts Briefing podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's go see what's out there. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a fan of the only gentleman secret agent with a license to kill and thrill, you should pick up my new James Bond oral history, Nobody Does It Better, available now in hardcover, audio, and digital wherever books are sold. Do you expect me to read? No, I expect you to buy it. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Doctorman. We are the Inglorious Trexperts. This planet's aging in surges. And Spock with it. It seems they're joined together. They are. How long? Days. Maybe hours. I'm sorry. will be hardest on Spock. Soon he will feel the burning of his Vulcan blood. I don't understand. Ponfar. Vulcan males must endure it every seventh year of their adult life. Whoever they are, they're getting closer. I'll go. No. I'll do it. Give me your phaser. And welcome to another episode. Did I do that wrong, Darren? Did I? Oh, no, you did, did it I... just fine. 
Okay, very good. So uh, very, very, very excited uh, on today's show. Um, we have uh, we have a, a, a half Vulcan, half half Romulan. This is this is the one who isn't insane, who loves Trump and posts all that now, crap on now, Twitter. Let's not this get is, into all this of is, that. This is the good one. This is the good one who uh, oh. volunteered for now and uh, is involved with Planned Parenthood. We like Robin. I should speak for myself. So <laughs> we both like Robin. <laughs> wow. Go ahead. Anyway, Go ahead. anyway well, we want to welcome you to uh, to the Trexperts, Robin Curtis. Um, thank, you. thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm pleased to be here. I didn't see that comparison, quite that uh, political comparison coming right out of the gate, guys. Well, you know what? This is uh, this is a different kind of show, and and it, it's great because uh, now we'll give people a bunch of reasons to give us one star on Apple Podcasts and turn off the show. <laughs> but uh, as as I've said before, I don't want those people listening to the show. So <laughs> I hear Darren, you. I hear you. This you is know, where Darren shakes his head and goes, "Uh." It's so funny you started with that because I thought I was so impressed with our kindred spirits. Um, in this in this uh, uh, political season, um, uh, the the group that joined Stacey Abrams, for instance, did you did you happen to see that? Oh yeah, uh, very impressive. Uh, headed by Lavar Burton. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, they were awesome. I, I I I was just and 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 then there was another movement, Trek the Vote, I think it was called that that uh, 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 Chase yeah. Masterson's group right. spearheaded. Um, right, the pop co culture co coalition, the Hero Coalition, right. <laughs> I was just so impressed to be, um, you know, uh, again, one of one of one of their colleagues, so to speak, um, and, and rooting for them and donating on their behalf, et cetera, throughout that whole. Um, I, I won't say say this from a political point of view, but I will say this. It was really remarkable, not just Star Trek, but if you look and, and you know, during this pandemic, how clever, um, you know, particularly in Wisconsin, they did a bunch of a veep. Uh, virtual um, script readings. Uh, I know. I think they did an Anchorman. Um, they did some some other shows. Did uh, reunions. Obviously, The West Wing did a wonderful. Um, you know, on HBO Max, they did a wonderful uh, sort of get out the vote. And yeah. and then I, I think it was wonderful. You know, Star Trek. There were a couple of events that you you guys all got together and and um, raised money for um, good causes. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I too, uh, guys, was was um, crazy impressed with the way artistic people morphed and reinvented and 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 didn't give up. Um, right here locally, guys, I'm on the board of the Syracuse stage, um, very proud board member, and we were one of the only four theaters last fall to have a production. Um, you know, SAG and, and Equity did a bit of arm wrestling there for a bit because the only way you could have an Equity production was to film it. And then SAG wanted a piece of it, you know, so, so, so it took a bit to get all that ironed out, but we were one of the only theaters in the country, uh, four there were in the fall, to have an Equity production with, with a fabulous married couple, Jason O'Connell and Kate Hamill, very hot uh, um, theater couple, husband and wife. Uh, they did Tally's Folly at our stage and then it was virtually aired people forget i think how hard this uh, obviously they know how hard it, it's been on people but if you look at sort of nonprofits, uh, theaters and zoos and museums you know in, in some of the big cities 
where they you know have a huge amount of money in the bank they've been able to weather the storm but a lot of these smaller theater companies and museums and, and particularly and sadly zoos have really struggled without that money from people visiting and and you know obviously so much attention to the people who are getting you know in this pandemic or effect which obviously it should be but i i think it's a much bigger there are a lot of other concerns that need to be addressed as well, because yeah. uh, the longer this goes on, um, it's just it's really it's really sad how much, are you, you know, are you are saying suffering. that due to lack of funds, animals are leaving zoos, <laughs> moving on to other places? Is that no, what but I, I was just, you know, sad. I was just reading an article, you know, obviously with the with the the, the weather in Texas, um, you know, unfortunately, some of these nonprofits, you know, a lot of the animals they weren't able to, to save and it. it God, it, it just reminds me of those horrible stories coming out of Iraq when um, uh, during the, the invasion of Iraq and how all these animals were killed in, in these zoos. And it's just, boy, yeah. boy, boy, I'm getting really depressing now. Why am I going on this? <laughs> we have we have we have a, a wonderful Star Trek actress here. And, and uh, you know, I have to tell you, OK, so let's talk about something we all love, which is Darren and I have talked about this on the show. We all we both love John Houseman. So I would be oh. remiss. If I didn't ask you about, you know, your your first big Hollywood credit ghost story, uh, you worked with such a, a legendary group of people. I mean, M Melvin Douglas and 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 Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and of course the oh, great yeah. Fred Astaire. But John Houseman, come on! <laughs> well, honestly, any any one of them is 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 right is 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 a a tower uh, uh, in the industry. Um, but the funny thing is, guys, I was in the I was in the past. You know, so that that movie was all about a flashback, right? And and the younger version of those of those fabulous actors, the younger versions, um, those characters are the ones I interacted with, right? Um, uh, and you know, they they did something horrible. You know, they they accidentally killed a girl. Whoops! And you and you guys must know Alice Krieg, right? Of course, of course, yeah. Of course. yeah, yeah the beautiful yeah. lead is oh god, I just adore her. Um, and, uh, and, and it's kind of fun that we now, you know, when we see each other at, uh, yeah. conventions, we, we talk about the fact that we have Star Trek in common. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty cool. But it's oh, like oh, that oh, Kevin Bacon, six degrees, like all these people yeah. you've worked with in your group. <laughs> and then, and then they circle back. Oh, wait, we all did Star Trek together. Yeah. Not John Houseman, but a lot of other people. Do you, do you know, it took me last evening. So I, so I, you know, am so impressed with what you guys are doing. That I that I actually did some homework, and it's partly because I'm old, and and when you get to be my age, uh, you 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 sort of lose a name or you lose a word at the end of a sentence. So I literally I watched Star, Star Trek three and four last night. Oh wow, you did this, do your homework. I, I read this amazing article on Gene Roddenberry, the humanist, because that's one of the things over the years that really kind of seeped into my DNA was was who he was as a, as a political um, philosopher. Uh, as a, as a you know a humanist, um, but in any case, it, it so, so to kill a mockingbird is like my favorite favorite thing ever. Okay, Atticus Scout. I used to think I was Scout. I studied with Kim Stanley once upon a time, and she was the voice of the uh, film. She uh, was the voice of Scout looking back, uncredited, right? Wow. And lo and behold, who 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 is in Star Trek Four? that I'm in the movie with, Brock Peters. Oh yes, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. the, the, yeah. You know, the poor man that, that, that was accused of, a, of, a, of a, an attack on, you know, Mayella Yule, yeah. you know, 
Yep. You, you <laughs> oh, yell at them. I mean, that you made know. Brock Peters' career. I mean, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then all these years later, yeah, that's amazing. And then you did Star Trek Four with him. I'm sure you maybe a few conventions after that as well. I never got to see him at a convention or Jane Wyatt for that matter, mm. but it, but it just kind of blew my mind that that there we were in the same movie. I can't claim I I had the privilege of shaking his hand and telling him how much um, the movie that he made and that moment, you know, those moments in the courtroom, how that just, just, I, I, you know, it just went into my bone marrow, you yeah. know, and, and how some things stay with you. Do you. I mean, I don't know if you guys know this. I had a fan moment. So, so two summers ago, they put me on stage, right. With a young actor and, and, and I'm up in Ticonderoga, sure. you know, where James Cauley has built the, the, the set, etc. My, my and, dear and, friend, and, James, I, I know him well. Okay, so, so, so exciting convention and I'm tickled pink to be there and I'm on stage with a young actor and, 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 um, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, gosh, is he going to be, is he going to be, you know, generous? Cause it can be awkward sometimes. I'm, I'm kind of a has-been, right? And, and so, um, you know, you, you worry that all the questions are gonna go to the, you know, the young, fabulous looking person next to you. And, and I thought, I hope, I hope he'll, he'll be kind, you know, to the old broad. And, and so someone, someone said from the audience, you know, Ethan, I don't think I, I would recognize you outside your makeup if I'd seen you on the street, if I didn't know it was you. And I said, well, for heaven's sakes, what character did you play? And I look in my phone right there in the panel. And I said, oh my God, are you Gregory Peck's grandson? Is yeah. that what I'm, I mean, I had no idea who I just met. And I started to bawl. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just really, it just, anyway. So, so yeah. I, I get it. I get it. I get it on all levels, you know, and I, and I've always, when I was first cast, somebody was in my manager's office that first week in 1983 to invite me to a convention. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh my God, who the hell would want to hear me talk about anything? <laughs> Do I'm like, like, I just felt like so unworthy and so, uh, yeah, just unworthy and, and inadequate, et cetera. Uh, but once you, you know, once I was out there, oh, I totally, I jumped in, I jumped in all in, you know, um, I, 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 I would do a Klingon peace conference. I would step in and do whatever the fans wanted because to me, they're just the most amazing people on the planet, you know, generous of spirit, uh, self-effacing, uh, uh, politically aware, area, you know, astute. Um, I've been in love with them ever since I started 36 years ago. It's very you, much you, you a, give, go ahead, Jan. It's very much a, a family feeling, especially at oh. the at the at the conventions that you know we used to have oh, um, that, that yeah. weren't as uh, as uh, corporate, shall we say? Yeah. Um, but the connection is extremely real, totally. and it's so it, it was so wonderful to see you know uh, actors and actresses and and people of note show up and just uh, wallow in the love. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, really, you're not exaggerating. They were love fests because it was small enough and fan run enough that you would know everybody's name by the end of the weekend. Right. You know, you'd all participated in everything together and you'd have meals together. And anyway, it's it's yeah, I, I remember the old days and, and that moment with with Ethan Peck, you know, put me in touch with what that's like. That's um, incredible because you know. I mean you feel the way about Gregory Peck the way we feel about John Houseman. No, so <laughs> I, I just I, 
that is so cool. And of course, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, oh my God, it's the son of Gregory Peck. I just want to sit and hear all these great stories. And then for the grandson. other half, it's like, who's Gregory Peck? Right, grandson, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but let's face it. They still wouldn't let him into the country club up there. <laughs> but, but let's face it, you had direct contact and guidance from Spock himself, Leonard Nimoy. Oh, so, God, you know, that's the, that's the, the Royal connection there. Um, and totally. can you tell us a little bit about what happened there in those first, you know, first days and weeks of uh, Trek three? Well, you know, guys, um, I'm a little strange. I save everything. I still have my paychecks from Paramount. Okay. <laughs> and I still have my 1983 planner. Nice. And I found it, I found it for the first time in all these years and 36 years in the basement yesterday. Cause I said, I'm going to be talking to Darren and Mark and I better have my SHIT together. <laughs> so, so I, I met Stuart Jensen and Elsa Bergeron at ele- exactly 1145 on June 27th, 1983. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I remember very offhandedly saying to them, you know, because they wouldn't tell you what the part was. It was all very secretive. Mm. And I said, uh, guys, I, uh, I'm not even exactly sure where this comes from, but, but I'm hoping that, that whatever the character is, it's an alien. And the reason I said that was because I was worried that if I was a human and I had to play something that, that, that struck me as preposterous, you know, something that was just beyond all imagination and make believe that, that I couldn't do it. Mm. And, 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 and I'm, I, I was correct. I, I sometimes doubted myself that it was the very next day. But the very next day, I met Leonard Nimoy at 10.15 in the morning. I get goose pimples. And his assistant was Teresa Victor. I looked right. her up last night, and she passed away in 2005. But she's in most of the films. She has a very sort of earthy voice, mm-hmm. did some of the voiceovers. In any case, I met Leonard Nimoy the next day. And I remember he taped me, he put me on videotape. It was just one-on-one, which is highly unusual. Very often you're in a room full of people. You don't know quite who to, who to you know, uh, fuss over or, or to make a connection with because nobody's identified when you go into audition, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, but this was just him and me. And, and he, he, he was so kind, you know, at that point, my, my, my uh, resume was a little tragic. And, um, and he was asking me about the little dinner theater credits in upstate New York, you know? So what was it going to be? Eldonza and Don Quixote, you know, and whatever. And, and Nancy and Oliver. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I played all the witches and wenches of the musical theater. Um, and anyway, he said, do you mind if I put you on videotape? And would you, would, do you mind going out and reading, you know, some of the sides and I'll have you come back in and do that on tape with me? And I said, not at all. And, and when I left his office, he, I, 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 he shook my hand. And he said, he said, Robin, I have no doubt you could play this part. Now it's up to the powers that be. And I, and I, I almost, I walked out of there thinking what just happened? What just happened? Because it just doesn't, it just doesn't go that gently. You know, it's usually much tougher, much more stressful. The, 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 you know, the, the, the pressure mounts and, and there's much more time involved and, and so on. But this was, this was so sweet. And I, again, I went back to my 1983 calendar. I, they asked me to stop by Harv Bennett's office on July 18th. I remember going by, I knocked on his office door. We had a little exchange at his office door. Apparently he just wanted to kind of meet me in person, even though he'd seen the tape type of thing. And then, and then I was booked at Western costume. Hadn't, didn't have the part yet right. on July 27th. 
On August 1st, I met with Sylvia Abiskel, who does who did the hair back then. And oh, I saw Nimoy. He must have given me a little coaching or something on August 4th. And then on August 9th, the screen test happened at 6.15 a.m. Mm. And, and by the end of the day, I don't know if I knew at the end of the day, I might have not heard until the following day that I got it. And the liftoff party was that weekend at Harv Bennett's house. I remember driving the street where he lived and I and there was a neighbor out and I said, do you know where Harv Bennett lives? And, and they said, no, you know, across this long, expansive <laughs> lawn. And, and, and ultimately he lived right next door. And I thought, well, that's Beverly Hills for you, you know. <laughs> Dr. Marcus, it's your planet. Begin scanning, please. This is where the fun begins, Savick. Just like your father, so human. All units functional, recorders are on, scanning sector one. Foliage in fully developed state of growth. Temperature? 22.2 Celsius. Sector two indicating desert terrain. Minimal vegetation. Temperature 39.4. Sector three, subtropical vegetation. Temperature decreasing rapidly. It's snow. Snow in the same sector. Fantastic. Fascinating. All the varieties of land and weather known to us within a few hours walk. Metallic mass. Close range scan. A photon tube. Gravitational fields were in flux. It must have soft landed. In code to Starfleet. Captain Spock's tube located on Genesis surface. Yes, sir. Coding your message. I don't believe it. What is it? If equipment is functioning properly, indications are an animal life form. You said there wouldn't be any. There shouldn't be any. Cross-referenced and verified. An unidentifiable life form reading. Do you wish to advise Starfleet, sir? Wait a minute. We don't know what we're talking about here. Why do we beam it up? Oh, no, you don't. Regulations specifically state nothing shall be beamed aboard until danger of contamination has been eliminated. Captain, the logical alternative is obvious. Beaming down to the surface is permitted. If the captain decides that the mission is vital and reasonably free of danger. Captain, please, we'll take the risk, but we've got to find out what it is. Or who? Um, it's, it's funny hearing you mention Western costumes because um, I remember Walter Koenig told a story about when he was cast for the original series in the second uh -huh. season. They never told him he had the role. <gasps> they never told him. Oh, they just goodness. told him to show up at Western costume. Right. And wow. so apparently just going to Western costume means you have yeah. the role. So. <laughs> that, 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 that feels like the day I left General Hospital. Mm -hmm. I, I had a, a, a brief 20 episode run with General Hospital when they brought, um, what's his name? Uh, the, the, the guy of Luke and Laura fame. They oh, brought him back, yeah. Bill, Gary, Tony Gary. Yeah, Tony Gary. They brought him back to play Luke's cousin, Bill. And they, <laughs> they cast me as this like blue collar radio dispatcher, truck dispatcher for 20 episodes. And I, and I get the last script guys, you know, back in the day and, 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 um, the last line was something like, yeah, I'll see you around, Bill. And I, 
I went to work that day. I said, I said, guys, I think this is it. I think I'm yeah. done. They're cutting me off here. And they went out and make people, no, no, they love you, blah, blah, blah. No, that was my last day. I never got another trip. My, my, my people couldn't get their people to even confirm it one way or another. You know what I mean? They'll, they'll kick you out yeah. or invite yeah. you in and they don't even tell you you're, you know, it's official. Because, you know, six times out of 10, they don't know either. I know, right? That's what it is. And they're, everyone's just trying to cover their... I, I never, I never did, did understand that. I, I, I think I, to survive, I kind of always kept Hollywood at arm's length. You know, I, I think I thought if I didn't care too much, then it wouldn't break my heart, mm. you, you, you know? Yeah. Um, but in any case, Mr. Nimoy, God bless him. I, I remember the first day I was called to work, which was August 31st. And I said, I said, Mr. Nimoy, you seem to think I know what I'm doing but I don't have a clue. Like this whole Vulcan thing, this whole wry humor thing. I, I said, I, and, and, and guys, I, I have shared sometimes at the conventions, no, no better evidence that, that the whole notion of having any kind of self-control or, or containment or, or logic than my early um, report cards as a kid. I mean, I pretty much had straight use for unsatisfactory or ends for not satisfactory for mm -hmm. use of self-control under social habits for students <laughs> like like how can one my fifth grade teacher how can she when she's minding everybody else's business <laughs> but you were very organized oh my god yeah yeah oh lord um so anyway he, i he 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 made a promise to me that day that that he would take me every step of the way and when I think of Leonard, I think of integrity and I think of character and I think of diplomacy mm -hmm. uh, because, because in watching the movie again last night, I watched the extra reel where, where he and Bill and Charlie Carell and, and Christopher Lloyd and I were kind of looking back. And by the way, I had no idea until last night that it was just us. I thought all the other actors weighed in too on some other you know button. Mm. On the screen, I didn't realize it was just me at the time. This was like 20 years ago now, and uh, and uh, and and Leonard said that that you know, like you know, Bill, Bill, they they gave him a hard time. They, you know, when he was trying to make this transition from sure. from actor to to, to director. Um, but on I three thought in particular. Pardon? On three in particular. Yeah. Oh and yeah. The studio was very hard on everyone, and and Bill uh, as well obviously. Yeah. 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 And I didn't know until I read the, watched those interviews that Bill apparently was under a lot of stress because he had another job. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought to myself, if you guys asked me to describe these people in one or two words, I would say, I would say Bill was removed and brilliant mm. because he just was not there. He was just, you know, like he only came in at the very last second to shoot the scene and then would go away to his trailer. Right. Whereas everyone else was so accessible you know, Nichelle, I, I think of her and I think goddess, you know, black goddess, um, uh, uh, George, um, um, George is um, the, the uh, citizen of the world, right. you know, active activist, you know, it's always moving, always moving. Um, Walter, brainy, erudite. He's the one who gave me the best advice, but I didn't take it, of course. He said, keep, keep a diary, mm. diary. Because I, I still at that point, guys, didn't understand 
that my experience on a day-to-day basis might be of any interest to someone else. Right. You know, and, and how, and how I, you know, anything in particular about these people might, might interest someone else. I just did not get it. And I was so also, so, so kind of arrested by my own. Again, I, I sincerely thought the first couple of weeks I was going to get fired. Sure. Not, not, nobody gave me that vibe whatsoever, but I felt so un Vulcan. I, I just, I, I just thought, oh, I'm doing is this very sort of boring delivery, and oh my God, this is near about killing me, and right. and 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 they can't be happy. The dailies can't look good. I just well, don't know. I, you know, I just, I really did, and I'm not, and I don't, I'm not saying that for you to say anything about it. But remember, Im- imposter syndrome doesn't happen to people who are not doing a good job. Oh, oh, you're sweet, Darren. What is that? <laughs> no, it's oh. true. The, the, the people yeah. who are full of himself and, and full of uh, confidence are usually the ones who are not very good. Yeah. Because that, that replaces the, you know, the process in their mind. The only friend of mine back in those days that had a pr- pretty great success and, and has continued to do so, who, who said that was um, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Wade. And he, he wrote Working Girl pretty much mm-hmm. right out of the gate. And he's, and he really thought, well, they're going to figure out I'm just a, I'm just a one-off, you know, I, yeah. I, ugh, I can't really do this. And of course he's very, he's doing just fine. She was doing just fine all these years later. <laughs> but my, my going back to Leonard Nimoy, the dude just did not let me down before every scene. We would go sit on the edge of the soundstage, like just, just on a little, you know, uh, uh, on the edge of the, uh, you know, because the, the set's above the soundstage floor. Right. And, and he'd say, okay, let me hear it. Let me hear it. I'd say, and I'd say the lines. And, and, and you know, it, it, with most directors, if they give you a line reading, that's like such an insult. No, that not to me. Not to me. I'm like, mm. give it to me. Tell me. Uh, let me mimic you. Like, whatever you want. I was totally mm. his Gumby, you know? So, <laughs> That's so sweet. Did he uh, talk I, to you much about his philosophy of Vulcans in the sense that rather than them being uh, without emotions, which a lot of actors tend to play it very bland because they don't act, that it actually is, they have emotions that they're repressing, which is very uh, different than not yeah. having emotions, um, you know, which was always his philosophy, which is, you know, why he has become such an iconic character. I mean, how much did he articulate his philosophy of what a Vulcan is to you in, in, in your performance? The, the one thing he said to me, and this was, um, this was ac- actually at the audition, uh, he, when he sent me outside to look over the words uh, and then come back in the room, he said, think of it like this. He said, Vulcans have 1000 years of wisdom behind the eyes. Hmm. And I was like, oh my God. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll try to bring that back into the room. You know, after that guys, Mark, Darren, it, it was more his, his, um, what's the word I'm looking for? His, his method of direction was either to disarm me a little bit um, um, at, the, at the end of the film um, when, um, when, when Spock steps back to, 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 the, to the line and, and is looking each of us in the face. Uh, he had come up to me just moments before we, we shot that sequence and, and he said, he, and he stepped into my space a little more than he normally would, so much so that his lips were right at my ear. You know, we're standing right there with each other. And, uh, and he said, what would you, how would you feel if you were to run into someone, say on a New York City street that you had 
loved and you had been intimate with and you yeah. hadn't seen him for a few years. And I'm like, wow, you know, big question. Wanna 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 articulate an answer for you, but I'm but I'm a little flush and a little embarrassed, but 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 also I, I but I but I definitely want to come up with something for you. And I looked him in the eye and then I looked away because I because I was trying to find my words and he goes, that's it. He goes, that's it, that's what I want in that moment. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> so so you know, he he um he 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 just sort of got me out of my own way, I suppose. I mean, but things like things like for instance, David is dead, like I that, know. you know, that always just just twisted me up like a pretzel man I you know I I I, he wouldn't let me he really honestly I tried to put a little catch breath in I tried to I tried to you know just bring a little sorrow to the moment and um yeah no oh no he wasn't having it and it might have had something to do now I never saw the um second film before I, I did my thing because I was worried it would it would you know influence your performance my way yeah yeah I would be susceptible um uh, and I think he was trying to fight against that. He he didn't want quite that much humanness, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, in the character that, that that was maybe displayed in the previous performance. Um, although, guys, I I can't say it um, clearly enough. I, I was never made to think like I was filling someone else's shoes, which was so generous yeah. and and lovely, really. You know, because I because I could have sort of been messed up in the head with that but sure. but Merritt didn't make me feel that and 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 neither did um Harv Bennett or or Mr. Nimoy they kind of approached it like this is this is this is we're just starting over this is right. this is from this moment on type of thing <laughs> what must have been really interesting for you is here you've done you know regional theater you've done you know a little bit but now you go on to the Paramount lot which has all this history, Sunset Boulevard, all this stuff. And then Charles Carell, who's like this legendary DP at the end of his career is felt. What was that like for you as a young, you know, actress at the very beginning of her career? It was honestly guys um, like just off the charts. Amazing. Um, and, and, and um, I was, I thought of this a moment ago when I was just talking about Leonard and, and who he was to me. Um, my father was um, diagnosed with cancer almost simultaneously to be to me being cast. Mm. So, so the whole time I was on this amazing journey with Star Trek, we were dealing with, um, and he was only he was only fifty three, mm. and he, and he ultimately died in November of of, of eighty four at the age of fifty four, and you like nobody can ever know what a gift that Star Trek was to my family. Just, just this, this, just this amazing beacon out there, this thing, you know, that we could all look forward to and, Mm. and, and, and and allow to distract us from our pain. Um, And my father was just out of his gourd, tickled pink, thinking his daughter was going to be fine in the world, you know, like any dad would. Um, So, and he lived long enough to see it, which was very sweet. So great. Um, Yeah. Oh my God. He was just skin and bones. And, um, we went, oh God, I mean, this is a little tragic here, but we went, we went to the Riverside Mall in Utica, New York, in, in the town funeral home um, limousine. And, and, then, and then not too, you know, f- f- much later in, 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 in time, uh, you know, we were in that same limousine for a completely different reason. Uh, and my father was, you know, dead. So, yeah, so, so, but yeah, we, we, we went out there with my grandmother and, and my grandfather and um, uh, it, it was, so, so that it's, it's hard, it's hard to 
it's hard to separate that personal of course. experience from, from, from Star Trek happening to me as an actress. Um, but it really was, it was a gift compounded by a gift, you know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And ultimately, I don't know, I don't, I don't know really what it did for my career. And I, and I'm not saying that like sour grapes at all. Sure. I'm saying it more like, it was just this interesting part that I did, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and it didn't necessarily snowball. I think it gave me a lot of credibility and, and, and I had a good run, you know, I made my living for 23 years and I get a little seg pension now. And I had my insurance while I was in the industry. You know, I, I was never one of those people that expected the world from the industry. I wasn't ambitious enough to, to have that unrealistic an expectation. So, so, and, and, and what's been most remarkable about, about Star Trek isn't, aren't the roles that dovetailed from it, but the, again, the personal experience, like I've been all over the world. This is just a gift that just keeps on giving. Right. You know, I, I, I still get to go and meet the most phenomenal people. I found, I found my second husband at a convention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They threw a couple of strangers on, on the stage at a lovely um, Hounslow Hotel uh, uh, to, uh, to do the charity auction. And, um, and we, we got off stage two hours later, he and I, and it was like, who are you, darling? Oh my God, let me better go have a drink. Whoa. And, and people, came up to us, people came up to us, Mark Ryan, and they came up to us. We were autographing, not like maybe half 45 minutes later. And, 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 you know, the fan would say, I, I do believe I watched the two of you fall in love. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty, I, pretty crazy good. <laughs> I hesitate to ask if he was dressed up as anything, but uh, I, I no. won't ask that question. <laughs> no, we were just ourselves, baby. Didn't need any 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 costumery assistance. <laughs> anyway, well, it, it's interesting because after you did Star Trek Three, you know, you did episodic TV for a long time, and of course, yeah. that can be brutal if you're if you're not carrying your own show because some shows are very welcoming and some shows can be the complete opposite where it's just you know if you're a guest star they don't even want to know you uh right. you know and it's like say your lines and don't bump into the furniture and goodbye <laughs> and you don't even get the goodbye you know but you worked on some you know classic shows of the era you know the equalizer airwolf scarecrow mrs king i mean yeah. what was that whole period like as a working actress and you know um uh, did did was it rewarding? Was it what you hoped it would be? Or good question, good question. Um, I I I think there were moments of of uh, fulfillment as an actor. I mean, because you're correct, uh, guest starring very often is is um, you know there isn't a lot of luxuriating on what it is you're doing. It's just don't mess it up and you know, do what you're told. And, and so, and so professionalism and, and being a good sport and, and um, you know, again, not getting in the way of the, of the, um, the regulars is, is a smart way to go about it. And in fact, I, that's, I, I totally respected my position in that way. You know, I didn't speak till I was spoken to when I, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of the next generation cast because they were all lovely and work so hard, you know, because they've got scripts that are much more, you know, there's just a lot more gobbledygook. In intricate. And yes. Words and interesting things going on, right? Yeah, Darren. And, 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 and just trying to maintain the integrity of the story and the through line and making sure that all the, all the bits match up at the end. Um, uh, uh, they, they were, they were incredibly um, dedicated 
but 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 also didn't you know miss a chance to have some humor. I mean, some sets are pretty humorless, if yeah. you will, you know, and everybody's a little uptight, and you just kind of you just kind of mind your business and do your thing and get the hell out, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but the but I thought the mood on the um, the um, uh, next generation set, they're professionals. They're good eggs. They had a good chemistry amongst them. And, and those guys have always treated me kindly. You know, even, even you, know, <laughs> you know, 20 years into this business or 30 years in, I will still say, you know, oh, Marina, it's Robin Curtis. And she's like, oh, I know who you are, you know. You know, <laughs> you know. So they're very, they're very kind to me um, with regard to, you know, how, how I think the spotlight has, has been in, in their direction so much longer than, than, than my own. And, 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 and I, I, you know, I, I understand my position, but, and I, and I defer, but th- th- they won't have it. You know, they're very right. sweet, very sweet. All of them, Gates, Brent, um, uh, uh, Jonathan, Michael, you know, just good eggs, good eggs. Continue firing. I've lost three plasma relays on the disruptors. Auxiliary power is is not available. Transfer weapons control of my station. There's a way to bypass the relays and feed power. The antimatter containment units are starting to buckle. The Enterprise has been badly damaged, but they still have superior firepower. If we remain here, we will be destroyed. The logical course of action is to withdraw. You, you worked with uh, an actor in that episode, to me, who defined 70s and 80s television, which is Richard Lynch, you know, who always oh, played the villain in these shows. Because, yeah. You know, he had, you know, suffered horrible burns as a child or a young adult, uh, uh, you know, so he was always cast as these villainous guys. And um, uh, what happened to him? He died. Is he gone? Is yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he died. I probably about ten years ago. I think fifteen years ago. Something I don't know. I've like lost that. track of time. As you get older, you know, you forget. Uh, yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, he. Uh, it was such an interesting ensemble. And I think Rick Worthy, the basketball player, did a guest part in that. In that uh, as well. I mean. Oh so- uh, yeah, I think you're right. Oh, good gravy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there were there were a couple of you mentioned some television uh, guest uh, things. Um, uh, I had I had some fun doing a couple of B B movies, you know, maybe even D movies, <laughs> you know, like, you know, that back in the day they they would they would get the funding for a for a film, you know, of, of Roger Corman kind of um, uh, status standard, uh, uh, and and put a kickboxing champion in in the in the I, league, oh yeah, you know, somebody sure. who couldn't act their way out of a paper bag, but they had all that athleticism, and and then put put put, put people like me in their satellite, you know, to just yeah. <laughs> just kind of bring <laughs> right. a little. Get real actors to try and get a performance yeah, out of them. Try yeah. to anyway. Oh, baby, I did some crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> People are all going to be going on Amazon tonight to, you know, I have yeah. to be you know, after they hear this. It's like kind of like dark breed, you know, and unborn too, you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's the life of a working actress. It um, takes just as much energy to create a less than perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> than to make a, a a good movie, let's just say. Yeah. You know, you do a Carmen movie when when they say, "Do you mind changing on the street?" and they hold up a sheet, you know, and you're like, "No problem. I don't need a I don't need a trailer. Yeah, I, nice. I don't need a trailer. I I need a closet." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you know, at the same time you were doing Next Gen, I'll bring this up because it it, it seems to have gotten new life because it just uh, dropped on HBO Max. People are looking at Babylon oh. Five again. 
Um, what was oh, that yeah. experience uh, uh, like for you? I mean, that was the opposite of Star Trek in the sense of low budget, but yet, you know, had a, had a very devoted following as, as well, but without the, the, the expensive sets. And, you know, I would like to joke that, you know, it looked like a, a cool, a stiff breeze would knock over the sets <laughs> in some episodes. But at the same time, you know, it was very, you know, intelligently written science fiction. Yeah. What, what was that? Was do you remember anything about that experience? Oh, n- n- not a whole lot. I, to be honest, I remember, I remember thinking, oh, oh, somebody put out the memo that that you know, if you if you if an actress was willing to wear prosthetic right. over over the majority of her person, and 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 didn't suffer claustrophobia put her on the list right you know so so i i got on the list and 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 it was like really so just my eyeballs and my teeth are mine you know from here up and 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 and, you know you just you just give into it man you just go with it you have fun i wasn't claustrophobic thank god i didn't suffer from that and i really enjoyed the the guy that was cast i can't remember his name but but he and i were just you know we'd get giggling um (laughs) The, the guy that also had similar makeup and was sitting to my oh, Andreas Casulas, yeah. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't one of the leads. I was kind of shy around the leads. Um, uh, but um, no, you I'm just, shy? I don't believe it. I I can be. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in Hollywood, I I don't know what was the matter with me. I just, if you were really important, like I'm even kind of I'm kind of in awe of you two not kind of, I really am. Um, it, I, I would avoid you at a part at a Hollywood party, like the plague. I, I, it's like, because I never wanted anybody to think I was ingratiating myself or that, mm. or that I had any other motive other than just tie. How are you? Who are you? What are you up to? Um, so I, 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 um, I, I saw in my calendar back from 1983 that I went to a party and at the, do you know the casting director, David Rubin? Mm-hmm. Sure. I remember going to his house. This is, Guys, we're talking about 35 years ago. And and I I, I was practically in the closet all night. I'm not kidding, I'm not, I was, I was just kidding. I just hit out right. and then and then I left and and because I didn't know, I did not know how to interact with people and 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 to hold my own, you know, and to and I think a part of it was that that if you if you exuded a confidence and if you put your hand out and said, Yeah, you know, I'm good and I'm available, you had to deliver. Mm. I mean, the, you know, you know, that that's the next part. You better right. bring it, right? And I, I guess I I guess I just wasn't hundred percent certain I I could do that. So wow. so I kind of stayed in that middle, that middle ground, that middle place. Right. Well, My Robin, age- I'm gonna tell you a story that I wasn't gonna tell on the podcast, but I'm gonna tell it now. No. Because I you know, I just want you to know because it's this whole idea of paying it forward. The yeah. first Star Trek actor that I ever interviewed. Well, not the first one I ever met, because I think when I was six years old, I met Leonard Nimoy at an autograph signing at the King's Plaza Mall in Brooklyn. But the first Star Trek actor I ever interviewed was a, a, a young actress named Robin Curtis. It was 1986 in Boston. Whoa. I was in college. Whoa. And um, you were there promoting Star Trek IV. And uh, I remember going to you for the school newspaper and I said, oh, you know, I'd love to interview you about it, you know, Um, and you were so wonderful. You said, come up to my hotel, sit down, we'll have some drinks and we'll do an interview. I mean, I thought this is the way it was going to be the rest of, you know, I thought everyone was going to be like this. Let me tell you, it was all downhill from there. So I I, am so (laughs) 
you know, look, and obviously I've worked with a lot of a lot of uh, the actors over the years and I'm friends with a lot of them. But, but you you um, you really it was I'm deeply indebted to you because it was very early in my career and you were just so lovely and, and such a doll. And uh, it's, it's I, I feel like I can retire now. It's all come full circle. <laughs> you know without being too corny that 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 is like one of the nicest things you could have said to me i'm so glad that i that i that i treated you right because you deserve to be treated right you know oh well you, you yeah. did and it, it was a good it was a really it was a really delightful interview i, I remember very vividly that convention i mean i was probably a sophomore in college and uh you know, he just announced Next Generation. David Gerald was there, who who was not nearly as warm as you, and still isn't. Um, and uh, I'm kidding, David, uh, <laughs> sort of. And um, and and, uh, but you were just absolutely uh, a, a delight. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I have to mention, you know, I have to mention that uh, because uh, I think it. Uh, I have a real know. fondness for Boston because I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was the Boston Star Trek fan club where I, where I, I jokingly say I lost my virginity. I think they were my first convention. Um, why do I remember coming out on stage with, with a balloon underneath my, my, my clothes? Cause we, we, we sort of played up the idea that Savage might be pregnant. Right. Oh um, I, why am I remembering a woman by the name of Carol Walker? I don't know, but boy, that balloon gag. I might have been at that. That might have been the convention, the balloon gag, because I vaguely, through the sands of time, kind of remember that, and you yeah. know, playing with the whole idea that she's now pregnant with Sparks baby. They, um, they yeah, with some sort of a shower, funny, cute moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I really do have real fondness for the Boston group, and and uh, and 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 they're they're one of the conventions that I don't believe is, is goes on anymore. anymore. Right, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of them uh, don't. But um, I, I got to ask you because we talked about like being a guest star on other people's shows. Mm -hmm. In a way, that's sort of the case for the non regulars on Star Trek Two. Now I know Leonard was extremely warm to you, um, but you know you worked a lot with Merritt, who was also sort of not part of the inner circle. And I know you know, he didn't have the greatest experience on Star Trek Two, but you guys worked together really well on Star Trek Three. Did he have any advice for you? I mean, what was that, you know, uh, experience like? Because you worked away from the main cast for a lot of the picture. Yeah, yeah. Um, Merritt was very present and very generous, like, and 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 much more willing to share kind of what he and Kirsty had done a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, he he told me he said, you know, we we sort of established a flirtation. Um. I said, okay, cool. Uh, I, I feel bad because Merritt Merit was very playful, had a real playful streak and, and he would want to goof around or dance with me or whatever it might be. Cause you know how so much of the time on the set is downtime. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and I was very serious because <laughs> as I told you, I thought I was going to get a pink slip. So, so, and I just really didn't want to mess up. I, I, I was freaked out about, you know, just not making any mistakes. So, so, so the poor guy, you know, he, he got coupled with an actor that normally I'm, you know, I do let my hair down and I can be pretty goofy and fun and playful and all that good stuff and a real live wire. But, but, but I was very serious on that movie set. Um, and in fact, I re because I was serious guys, my memory of it was that everybody was quite serious. 
Hmm. And now, and watching the movie last night, I realized there's a lot of funny stuff in Star Trek Three. Yeah. Sure is. Yeah. Right. It's time for total truth between us. This planet is not what you intended or hoped for, is it? Not exactly. Why? I used proto matter in the Genesis Matrix. Proto matter. An unstable substance which every ethical scientist in the galaxy has denounced as dangerously unpredictable. But it was the only way to solve certain problems. So, like your father, you changed the rules. If I hadn't, it might have been years or never. How many have paid the price for your impatience? How many have died? How much damage have you done? And what is yet to come? Um, so, so it wasn't so serious, I guess it just was for me. It was for me. And I, and I did let, I did let down a little bit at the end and, uh, and Merritt and I were able to enjoy one another, but I feel badly. We did not become friends outside the life of the film. Mm -hmm. And, and then he was gone too soon, like way too soon. Such a talented actor. I remember seeing his work in square pegs and just going, Oh my God, this guy's a chameleon. He's so talented. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember. It's funny. Um, you know, jo- it was one of John Larroquette's early roles um, before yeah. his big oh. success. And and at one point, uh, you know, uh, he was on a show that I worked on, The Librarians, and um, I, there was a kid that he befriended, and I called the kid Maltz. And uh, John John was very funny because he said, "I see what you did there." You know, um, <laughs> so I want to ask you about, you know, working, of course, with Christopher Lloyd and, and John Larroquette as well. Talking about sure, prosthetics. Sure. Um, well, the fun thing about John, um, because he, he would have an early call like I did. Oh, yeah. and, and he'd be he'd be telling tales from from his earlier acting life. And this was pre Night Court. He right. actually tested for Night Court while doing Star Trek three. Um, so, so that hadn't happened for him yet. And that was an interesting thing watching the film last night to see, you know, that was John before Night Court, you know, Night Court put him on the map, but he would tell, he would tell tales of, and I, and I'm not, um, I'm, I don't believe I'm exposing him in any way. He wouldn't expose himself, but, but he, he, you know, he, he had a period of, in his life when he was drinking quite a bit and, and, uh, he he said he he did some he was a guest on some shows in a total blackout you know like Bob Bob do you remember the show Bob Bob Black Sheep oh it? yeah sure with uh, with uh, Bob Conrad yeah 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 he you know no recollection of of doing that so so he he was always very entertaining I can't remember anything specific but <laughs> but you know sitting there at five a.m. it's fun to be next to John Larroquette now Christopher Lloyd I was embarrassed I barely spoke to him. Um, I, 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 I did so enjoy watching him work uh, because he had such a such an organic way of approaching everything. He didn't have to understand any of it. He ju- he just he just you know gobbled up the scenery. Yeah. And and uh, whereas I was obsessed with all the details and what's this and what button am I pushing and you know what, you know how does this make that go and blah blah. It really but, seemed um, like he was living it at the moment. Totally. Yeah. Oh, completely. A visceral actor. 
And, and so he, so I was intimidated by him a little bit because I hadn't seen Taxi. Like right. I didn't know oh, Reverend, boy. I didn't know that character. So I thought I better not talk to him because I'll sound like an idiot and that I haven't, <laughs> that I don't have any reference, frame of reference to the show. Um, but he was always lovely and, and present and with that big Christopher Lloyd energy, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you're, you're in one of the one of the greatest scenes in that in that movie. His whole his whole uh, addressing of you guys when you're all, all beamed down to the planet. Yes, you know, I I come a long way for the power of Genesis, and what do I find? And it, it's so it's so great, and he's he he is so engulfed in that yes. that I I wonder what you guys were thinking at the time. It's like, oh my God, he's really he's really gonna kill us. He's going to eat me. Yeah. No. And, and at the end of that line, it's, as a matter of fact, I was reminded last night how that came. He, he would go, beat me up. And, yeah. and Leonard would say, cut. Christopher, you got to talk into the, oh. <laughs> yeah. And he, and he, beat me up. So, so yeah, a couple of times he had to be reminded that, that, that the communicator was what was getting the message. That's funny. That's funny. But who, you... who? Go, oh, go ahead, ahead. Sorry. No, I was no, just no, going to ask you. Who, who tells Christopher be, Lloyd how to do anything? He's so fabulous. Yeah. Because you haven't watched, the, I presumably, the show, the movie in a long time. And now you have the, the, the um, uh, you know, the, the chance to watch it kind of fresh with the distance of the years. Uh-huh. What was, when you watched it last night, what was your, what were you, kind of, what was your feeling about it overall? Like, what, what's your takeaway from watching the movie? Did you enjoy it? I mean, did you, did you, you know, what did you like or the things you didn't like? Uh... Thank you for asking that. Um, I was, you know what I am? I'm taken with each of those people individually. Mm. I really, really, I am. I, I, I loved four, Star Trek four, because I liked those people so much and the supporting cast. And mm-hmm. I, and I felt like, like three gypped them a little bit. And, and, and whereas in four, I felt like everybody got a little more of the story, you know, right. a little more of the plot. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, you know, they all have very rememberable lines from Star Trek four, like, don't call me tiny. And yeah. up your shaft, you know. And um, uh, what does what does Michelle say? Be careful what you wish for; you just may get it. Well, those are um, all in three. No, they're not. They are. Yeah, those. There's a, those mean, all, steal, all of those steal are the Enterprise. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for me. Look at I. Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So that's what I'm surprised by. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for making me make sense to myself. Good Lord. Exactly that, that there was so much fun and playfulness in three that right. I'd forgotten about. It's not just about death, Nimoy dying, right. about Genesis dying, about the ship blowing up. It's not just about that, 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 that there is all that lovely interrelationship. Those people, those people, you know, when you get cast in a film and it's, and it's the first um, uh, uh, for everybody involved, there's, there's just this element of you're all jumping into a pool with no water. You just have mm-hmm. no idea what's going to happen. And it's, and it's something completely different guys to be cast in a Star Trek movie. You all, you know, already that it's, that there's something, you know, built in that's winning about it. Right. And, 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 and there, and the risk is not so great, but the beauty of that is that you come into this well-oiled machine 
And that's one of the things that Leonard said in his commentary last night about three. These people know who they are. They know their mm -hmm. characters. Michelle knows Uhura. You know, Chekhov knows, uh, uh, Walter knows Chekhov. It, it, uh, it, it, and, and, and I just loved watching them do what they do, you know, so, so beautifully. Uh, DeForest Kelly. Yeah. DeForest Kelly. What I mean, a guy he was. What a, what a just lovely come man. On. Elegant, mm -hmm. classy man. When I first walked into Harv Bennett's house that night, um, th that day, it was a daytime liftoff party. He's one of the first person, if not the first person I met. And he hugged me. And uh, his wife, Catherine, was standing there. And he said, he said, I remember what it was like. He goes, I'm so happy. You know, and he was talking about he remembers when he first got his first job, you know. Yeah. Anyway, watching him act and 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 be co-inhabited with with Spock, you know, and 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 do the bar scene and <laughs> trying to do the mind the, right. the, 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 the neck pinch, yeah, 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 the neck pinch. I just he he's just he's just just awesome. <laughs> drips just drips with 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 talent, and and God damn it, Shatner and I took pictures of the screen. You know, you know who brings a beautiful um, um, presence to that film is um, Mark Leonard. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <gasps> yeah, that mind meld scene between him oh. and Shatner is oh. great. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The the fire and yeah. the two men and his hand on his face, and then and then when and then and then Kirk's eyes when when he. You know, when, when, when he wants, wants to give Sarek what he needs, but he, but he doesn't have it. He's not there. And, 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 he, and he, he's yearning for his friend. Beautiful, beautiful work. Just beautiful work. Beautiful. Charlie Carell right there yeah. for the cinematography in that scene. Loved it. Loved it. And he so brings I, so much gravitas to the movie. Not as much as Dame Judith Anderson, but he brings a lot of gravitas to, yeah. to, to Star Trek Three. Yeah. I mean, and Leonard is one of those, that inner circle of people who has successfully played a Vulcan. It's something we've talked about on the show that in subsequent series, they've had less success because there really is an art to playing, uh, you know, a Vulcan. And, you know, Mark did it, you did it. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, uh, I think Tim Russ did it fairly successfully, but not yeah. a lot of people have really nailed it. And I think part of that is because they didn't have Leonard as their guide. Right. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. Now you mentioned Star Trek four and I know, um, over the years, you, you, you know, were you surprised or I'm sure, you know, that there wasn't more for you to do. Obviously you got to work with Jane Wyatt, which I'm sure was nice. And there's some nice moments for you in four, but yeah. uh, did you think that, that there would be more for you and had you hoped that there would be going forward? Everybody not going to earth had better get off. Savick. This is goodbye. Yes, Admiral. Thank you. Sir, I have not had the opportunity to tell you about your son. David died most bravely. He saved Spock. He saved us all. I thought you should know. Good day, Captain Spock. May your journey be free of incident. Live long and prosper, Lieutenant. 
Well, I absolutely did think there would be more <laughs> only because they, you know, they went to the trouble after what happened with Kirsty to, to, um, to, to negotiate for more. Mm -hmm. um, they negotiated four films at one time, three, four, five, and six. Mm. And so, and so it was so much fun, you know, in 1983 to imagine, well, I've got employment in 85, 87 and 89, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I made $30,000 in 1983. And then I was supposed to make 75. Mm. Can you imagine 75 uh, two years later? So what happened is, is that, is that um, I believe the studio, they let the option expire and told my manager she's not in the movie and then after it expired and it, and, and, and it was no longer uh, applicable um they they said well look yeah actually she's right at the beginning you know we're kicking her to the curb um mm. and we're going to pay her ten thousand for like four days work and, right, and right. who's gonna who's gonna say no to that right you know of I mean, I have a choice you know yeah. um i was not in a position to negotiate so I, I humbly and gratefully showed up for my work. And, and the only thing that made me sad was that for the, for the approximate year and a half that I was doing conventions, you know, the fans really sort of impressed upon me. Oh, you're, oh they're pushing for, you know, a, 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 your storyline and, yeah. and, 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 and she'll be pregnant and it'll be so cool. And it just, it was a very, it was a very provocative Thing to imagine playing sure, um, sure even though it kind of scared the crap out of me um you know uh and, and so and so to just be kind of put to the side you, you know yeah it was it was disappointing at the time i think it was more crushing though two movies later you know in star trek six mm -hmm. um you know richard arnold god bless his soul he he recently passed away and and I used to call him the head hopper, you know, of, 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 <laughs> oh my God. That's the best him. description ever of Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he called me, you know, and he said, Robin, I forget how we put it. I don't think he said I have got, I've got, got good news and bad news, but that's how it came out. He goes, um, the good news is that Savick is in Star Trek six in a big way, right? In a big way. And I'm like, you're kidding. Really? And and then he says, the bad news is they're recasting the part. I'm like, oh my God, uh, do I have a gun in the house? <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. Like, no, seriously, I had quit smoking. I had quit smoking for a year. Oh. And I literally, and I, I smoked clove cigarettes back in the day. Right. I, I went out and I got a clove, pack of clove cigarettes and a bottle of wine. And I sat, I sat on the stoop of my little, you know, one bedroom house in the Hollywood Hills and just cried my heart out. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm being rejected. <laughs> like in the worst, most embarrassing way. What? And then and then I, I found out later from Majel, God bless her, Majel. Um, when I think of two words for her, I think dame and funny. Yeah. <laughs> she was a great dame and, and a very funny broad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot of spice, a lot of spice in Majel. And she had, she, had, she, she she had a, a profound respect for what her husband created and, and the fact that we are, it's em, em, emissaries and ambassadors and that we should, we should, we should carry on um, respectfully. Um, the, 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 um, what do you call it? The, Not the, uh, the standard. The standard. Good enough. Um, she, she told me that Jean put his foot down and just said, 
Nicola, to Nicholas Meyer, you've either got to change the name of that character or you've got to cast Kirstie Alley or Robin Curtis. But you are not going to put Savick in this film and, and have her do such a 360 degree turn on her character yeah. and not have her be played by one of the, I mean, you're not going to cast her for the third time. That's ridiculous. Right. right. You just wouldn't have it. So he saved me from, from, from complete, uh, uh, you know, humiliation. Right. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's like, seriously, it, it hurt. It stung for a minute or two, you know what I mean? Or for a few days, I, I, I would say, um, but, but, you know, once you're back out in the world again and you're talking to the fans, you know, it's like people, you know, we all move on. Life, life goes on. I know. I just can't believe the way that Rich, I can visit Richard, but I, the way it was phrased, it's like, I got good news and bad news. They're bringing back yeah. Savic. They're not bringing you back. I mean, it's like, who does that? I know. <laughs> I know. I loved Richard and I wanted to kill him sometimes. But how much more effective would that film have been? If it had been you and Savick, I know how how much more meaningful would that yeah. turn the have been? be? Yeah, yeah. Because right now it's it's not really that big a deal because we don't know her. Right. It was a dead giveaway. Yeah. yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who the villain is? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But about Richard, he, he's he's the right person to be stuck on the road with between two cities. Let me tell you, late at night when he's telling stories. Oh. oh. <laughs> And that's all I'll say about that. But oh, boom. <laughs> oh my. Well, one day, Robin, we'll, we'll, we'll all have to have a drink off, off, <laughs> offline and we'll have to uh, commiserate. <laughs> Between all the people who know where the bodies are buried, there's so many great stories. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's look, obviously going into this, I guess, you, you know, what, what did you know of Star Trek um, you, much? I mean, oh. were you very aware of it? You know, I mean, you could have never anticipated, though, that here we are all these years later and there's still this obsession and hunger and not that it, it helps you, but the comics <laughs> and the novels have, you know, kept her journey and, you know, going and run with that whole pregnancy ball and all this stuff that was never followed through in the movies. Star, Star Trek, this is kind of strange. I mean, after all the years in the business, guys, um, the most fulfilling moment I ever had as an actress was was telling my own story. Uh, and I performed it at SUNY Oswego, where I went to college. It's in upstate New York, north of Syracuse. Um, I wrote, I, I, I used to tell stories about my love life. Uh, I came of age at a time when women were given many freedoms. Uh, birth control was fully available. Abortion became legal in 1973. A girl could ask a boy out if she wanted. It might be forward, but she could do it and get away with it. And 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 so, uh, uh, you know, I I I was coming. You know, the popular song at the time was "If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with." Yeah. And Cosmopolitan and orgasms and you know the the female mystique, etc. So 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 uh, this was all around me when I was growing up. And uh, uh, I grew up in a household, five people, one bathroom. It wasn't unusual for one of us to walk naked from the bathroom to our bedroom type of thing after a shower or whatever. There were usually at least one or two people in the bathroom at the same time. So there, was, there were no hangups with regard to our physical bodies. You know, it wasn't a commune, but, but, but it, was just, it was just a simple family. No hangups, no, nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed of. There was a lot of physical affection. Um, my mom and dad 
uh, I figured out, you know, had, had, had a love life. Um, uh, and so my point is just, um, you know, sexuality and connecting between men and women was, was something I grew up with a healthy attitude toward. Mm -hmm. And, and so consequently my stories were pretty interesting as as I was experiencing (laughs) things out into the world. And I would tell these stories, even I would tell them in audition waiting rooms, I would tell them to to friends in the business and they'd say, you've got to write that down. You've got to write that down. So I finally started writing them down and, and, and I'm coming back to Star Trek. I really am. So, so there's a, there's a, there's a part of, um, there's a part of the, the show where I talk about um, uh, when one might pleasure oneself. And, and I, I'm sorry, is this allowed? I'm afraid no, I don't know what you mean. Al- is this allowed? <laughs> you, may, you may continue. It's all allowed. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so you go back to Star Trek, man. When I was just a young prepubescent and all of those large-breasted you know, beehived women in those snug little costumes and those long legs and all that, all that shimmying up to- All chosen specifically by Jane Roddenberry. There you go, I know. (laughs) Oh, I know he liked ladies. He liked the ladies. He sure did. did. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, Marriott Hartley in the cave with Spock. Yeah. You know, does he stay, does he go? And the and 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 just just his inner conflict with his manhood uh, and 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 but what he's got to do and how he's got to leave her and and it, it, I, I remember I, I don't know what episode it was but I remember some woman pulling her you know her her neckline down to Jim to to Bill Jim, uh, Kirk and saying Jim I've got the disease too you know yes. and she's sort of it was probably to Bill as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well the one that took the cake was was the kiss was the first interracial kiss now the sure. fact that it happened between an african-american woman and a, and, a, and a white man was completely lost on me as a kid i i, I was yeah. more caught up in the dynamic the characters they, they were being made to do it exactly and i'm telling you that little that little tidbit that little erotic nugget has stayed in my in my little my little head all these years nice. and it's fodder. Well done. <laughs> it was just in the play. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, oh, this is so naughty, but I have to do it. Oh I just goodness. have to do it. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's awesome. Fine. Works like a dime. You know, it doesn't matter if, if it's the whole village is watching or, or you know, it's a women's prison. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, this, this, uh, this gives me an idea, frankly. Okay, go. Um, because of your, uh, your famous scene in three, you know. Yes. With, yes. The, with the burgeoning Spock. Uh, I submit that that you and I should write a book called The Joy of Vulcan Sex. And it's just drawings of hands and various oh. hand positions. Oh my God. I love it, Darren. Let's try it. Let's try it. This is the million dollar idea. Oh, poor, poor Stephen Manley and I came to work that day and we're like, what, what is Leonard Nimoy going to make us do? Right. You know, oh we didn't goodness. know which body part would be connecting with, uh, you know, which body. just didn't have an idea what Vulcan foreplay would be like. Right. And then, and then he comes up with this and we're like, okay. 
<laughs> and we went off, you know, we went off to the edge to just make sure we, we imbued it with the, with all the sort of, you know, of, of. With all of, the tenderness you know. of a drive-in movie. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that, that, yeah, that was an interesting moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I, I've put my foot in it big time now. No, you're okay. not. <laughs> did you i mean do you you know when you're watching the movie yesterday i mean and you get, you get to that scene it's like i, I were you watching with your husband or, or it's just like it's like i don't i don't have a husband oh i'm it's, sorry it, i thought this is the second husband oh no no i i've had three okay i stand and, corrected and now and now i'm i'm free <laughs> so, so 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 perhaps this is why it's on my mind boys that's for our secret podcast that's for our secret podcast we can't talk about that here <laughs> oh my god robin you you may be one of the most entertaining guests we've ever had on the show oh, <laughs> I have to tell you. <laughs> you're too kind no but maybe maybe you know i've i sometimes think this show needs to see the light of day my my, my little one woman piece yeah, what, what, when was, so you've been performing it. Have you done any of it on the convention circuit at all or is it too risque for them? Okay. Oh my God, you guys can appreciate this. I did it at Dragon Con. This had to be oh, yeah. like, like- For them, it was- uh, it was 15, too- 18 years ago. No, 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 get this, Mark. They had me in the basement with, uh-huh. with the disco, like a discotheque going on through that wall. So oh, I was God. doing the show over the sounds of thump-thump, thump-thump. Wow. And- and, 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 and we did it and people, people loved it, loved it. It's, it's very adult. And so I, I, I Dragon Con is the right, the right you know, place the right for vibe. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've done it in Europe. I've done it in Europe and they, 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 they take it well. They take the adult stuff well. <laughs> you've, you've been on the Trek cruises, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God. Well, in the old days, I, I did more than anybody, me and Eric Menyuk, I did like mm. 23, but I have not he been likes on to travel. Learn. He's a traveler. Yeah. Yes, I get it. Yeah. Sure. That's funny. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'll be here all week. Try the veal. Uh. And yet when he when he gets invited, he brings it. He's 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 a very good entertainer on his feet. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Because they it, all are. I mean, it, I mean, we kind of we started that a thousand years ago. He and right. I wrote a wrote a skit and we played fans and made fun of the actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, that must be one of the liberating things about the conventions. You can pretty much get up there and do anything and you can really use it as an opportunity to sort of have fun and, you know, totally. do sh- stick and try out new material. And Absolutely. Absolutely. I have not, you know, in, in, in the big um, venues, guys, like, like creation and stuff, I have not been able to get them to take that on mm-hmm. um, my, my, my material. It's, it's, it, again, it's, it, it's adult. So, so I really couldn't have kids around. Um, well, but the um, Vegas with, would be the place for it, you know. I know, right? And Just do a special 10 p.m. deal. It's an hour and a half long. As you may or may not know, the the official uh, Star Trek conventions recently uh, underwent a change in management. So perhaps oh, the new regime, when we get back to doing conventions, okay, would be open to this kind of thing. So okay, okay. Yeah, we might have to we might have to help Robin with this. Yes, we might have to to, to help her navigate these waters so that she can. Because uh, I have a feeling it would be immensely entertaining. Absolutely, <laughs> sounds great. The first line goes like this: I've looked at most everything in my life that interested me, and I've asked one simple question: How do I get that 
in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and that, just oh. strangely enough, is also a deleted scene from Star Trek Three. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh. Oh my right. goodness! Well, well, li- listen. This has been been great. Uh, um, we really enjoyed having you on the show, and we're seriously, you know, have to see what we can do to help you uh, get this out to the world because uh, it sounds like uh, the world is worse for not having seen uh, Robin's show. Thank you, dear. You guys produce and you do stuff. You're big. You're big deals. Big mockers. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. There you go. So, um, well, listen. <laughs> um, it, no, this was this 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 was great, and um, it was so good talking to you after all these years. <laughs> A lot of time was gone. A lot of water under the bridge. Um, yeah. And uh, but no. But this is great. And I hope that, uh, you know, the pandemic will be over soon. I know it's 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 awful for all of us not to be able to be out there and socializing and seeing people and commiserating. And, and uh, you know, I hope that, you know, our paths will all cross in the in the, in the future. But uh, it's been great having you on the show. And uh, we'll have to figure out an excuse to have you back because I'm sure your stories were only the tip of the iceberg. Well, when, and- the, when the book when the book comes out. There you go. Called Titan Books. Thank you. God bless you so much. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Absolutely. And on behalf of Rob and Darren and myself, we want to thank you for joining us for Inglorious Trexperts. You can follow us as always on Inglorious Trek on Twitter, Inglorious Trexperts on Instagram and Facebook. And you can watch the video podcast on Electric Now. So please download the Electric Now app at your favorite app store. And this is one you're going to want to watch on video. And I know a lot of times you say, why would you want to watch us on video? But this is this is a good one to watch on video. And uh, of course, I hope you'll enjoy our other podcasts like the 430 movie, Best Movie never made and the new cartoon bar room with ashley miller and steve melching of the new netflix series dota 2 dragon's fire and uh, they're doing a great show with amazing guests so if you haven't uh, already checked it out please check it out and uh, until then we'll be back next week with an all-new episode we want to thank our sound engineer bill ritter and mark rivera our producer nally miscali and our associate producer zach raggetts and peter holmstrom for making this show possible and until then we want to wish you well at the keep on trekking and gloriously of course and david is dead This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.